Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. With us, we are in the book of Ephesians. We're going to be there uh, through the spring. And um, we're coming to chapter 3 this morning. And folks, I want to ask this question. How's your faith? How is your faith? How is your faith doing? Now, do we have that conversation on a regular basis? Paul, and all through the New Testament, Paul makes it real clear at the end of 2 Corinthians. He says, we're to examine ourselves regularly to see that we're in the faith. And so, you know, we hear a lot of them, hey, how you doing or whatever. But the, really the question we should be asking each other is, hey, how's your faith? And um, I think, gang, I just want us to take a little time this morning. Just I'm going to dive into chapter 3. There's, again, so much here, um, just glorious stuff. But uh, I'm going to take us through four key aspects that are important to understand a healthy faith that help us answer that question in our own lives. And folks, I just think that in my, my own life, becoming a Christian at a young age and then ups and downs and growing and everything, no one really explained to me what faith is. And I asked you this morning, if somebody asked you, what is faith? How would you answer that? And if somebody asked you, hey, describe, how does faith work in your life? What does that look like? Faith in what? Is, is that something you do? What is faith? And how does that operate inside your soul? And I think this is a big deal for many in the church today. We take for granted this thing. We just throw this word out, faith. But I ask you, how's your faith? How you doing? The beginning of 2024. And are you able to see your faith growing? If I was to ask you this morning, and anyone who knows Jesus, you should be able to stand up here and give an assessment of your faith. You should be able to, to give testimony of seeing your faith has been strengthened and it's grown through the trials and the, everything else. But is your faith growing? How do you know your faith is growing? How do you know your faith is being strengthened? Do you have stronger faith today than you did last year? Two years ago, 10 years ago, how's your faith? Paul in chapter three, he, um, he gets overwhelmed. He kind of takes a little step back and speaking to the church in Ephesus. And again, this letter was also a circular letter to other churches in the area. But he, he, he kind of um, gets a little personal talking about his own calling and his overwhelming sense of the call that God put on him that we'll see. He calls himself the least of all the saints that was given this incredible gift of grace of God to bring the good news of Christ to the Gentiles, all the other nations besides Israel. Now, Paul was trained at the highest level of training, Hebrew of Hebrews, and as we know, one of the smartest minds in all the world. Trained by the best of the best, Gamaliel, Hebrew of Hebrews. And, um, and he was a, z- a zealot, right, for the faith, a Pharisee. And um, we know that, right, he was a persecutor of the church, a murderer, right, of the church. And, 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 and we'll come talk a little bit, dive in with him a little bit about his, man, how he balanced who he was and who he was called to be. Well, we can learn from that. But he says that he was given this grace of God to share unto the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. 
In other words, he had no words for it. The unsearchable riches of Christ. Now, folks, riches. Do you see Jesus and what he brings to you through faith as riches? Treasure upon treasure. What is more valuable than that? Is your faith growing into seeing it as that rich and glorious? And so Paul, he just had no words. He just had to come and to show the riches of the unsearchable, the unsearchable riches of Christ. And uh, some, as I was reading about it, just gosh, what is, what is he trying to communicate there? It's beautiful throughout history. All the great minds and, and uh, back in church history, some to, said he was trying to, you know, trying to get into his shoes of what he was trying to communicate. It was like, it'd be like trying to chart around the edges of a lake to see, to hike around the lake, to explore the, the uh, whole lake. And you get around each corner and you get around each corner and you keep hiking and seeing the water's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And finally you realize is that you're just on the edge of the inlet of the ocean. It's unsearchable, right? It's that glorious. He's got no words to say. And, and again, we know it's unsearchable because it, it says early in chapter two, right? We saw that he for all eternity will wants to pour out more of the riches of his grace upon his people. That's the goodness of God. He desires to dwell with us. It's what church is all about, to be a dwelling place for him, built together, right, so that God could be here and continue to pour out grace upon you, riches upon you, more knowledge upon you. I've been in the Minor Prophets. We might be there this summer, actually. It's awesome. Hosea, over and over again, God says to him, my people, they're destroyed for lack of knowledge, knowledge of God. So is your faith growing? Is your knowledge of God growing? Not just about God, but knowing God, right? Is it growing? And so Paul, he's, he's just overwhelmed and it gets very personal here. So let me just read for us verses 1 through 13 this morning. If you'll follow along, there's a Bible under the seat in front of you if you want to follow along. But just listen to this and we're going to, I'm just going to focus on four key things for our faith that we can um, take hold of to really assess our faith and to get a grasp on what faith is and, and to start walking in it. Paul says this, For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, for this reason, step back to the next verse. This is one of the most important verses in all of the Scripture. Verse 22 of chapter 2. In Him, in Christ... If you know him, you're in him. In him, you also, church, are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's church. That's what church is. Can you imagine the difference if all the Americans who know Jesus and who come to church, if that is what they understand, this was this what's going on here, this is, what's, this is God, Jesus is the cornerstone, this is the family of God, this is the faith factory. We'll come back to that. This is the place where God's ultimate purpose, this is not entertainment. This is not to meet felt needs. The primary reason we gather together is because God's at work here. And in all the world, when the church is gathered together, his primary priority is that he is making this by the power of the spirit, building, knitting his children together into an eternal family that his presence can dwell 
And so that he brings all of heaven and all of earth together in the end, restores all of creation, and he has a people ready to dwell with him who's holy and glorious. That's church. That is church. And now you don't have to answer, but I ask you, is that how you grew up? Is that how church was communicated, modeled? Right? It's not an evangelistic service. Do we do evangelism? Of course. This is not to make you just, uh, you know, give you some helpful little tips, although that happens. This is a place where God's people come together to be a family, where the Spirit of God is working, knitting, building together something glorious. That's church. That's what God's heart is to fulfill. Back to chapter 1, His grand and glorious purpose for all creation, bring everything in heaven and earth together to dwell beautiful picture and folks this is why it pains the heart of God when his people stay away and see it as optional or see it as man I'm just not when we start getting revelation the knowledge of God of what he wants to do and that each person is integral part of making that building go together wow we need each other and the Spirit does something powerful, which um, let's dive in. So Paul says, because of that glorious reason, listen to this. Now he gets personal. I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. How the mystery was made known to me by revelation from God who called him, right? As I've written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was made known to the sons of men and other, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Last chapter, he broke all that down, the dividing wall down, Jew and Gentile together as one in the family of God. Of this gospel, this good news, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power to me, though I am the very least of all the saints, This grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now in this time be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness, access with confidence through our faith in him. And so I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is for your glory. As he wrote those words from being in prison for proclaiming the good news in Rome. The word of God. So a couple things. I'm just going to dive in. Um, 
I hope you will just take these notes. I, I, I don't have time to dive in to break apart this chapter. We'll come back to some of this here as we move into Ephesians. But just four things here. I hope you'll take these. I hope you'll wrestle with them, dive into them. I hope this will give you some handles to answer that question. How is my faith doing? And each of these four things are necessary for you to have a full-orbed, healthy understanding of what faith is and what's the state of faith in your life. Um, to understand, the first one is faith needs to be received. It is a gift of God. And read chapter 2, we were already there. Verse 8 and 9, you are saved by grace. It's a gift from God, not that any man should boast. So we have to always stand on that foundation. Faith is a gift. I, you know, everybody's so concerned about proselytizing and converting and all this talk. Let me tell you, well, we just, I mean, we, we can't save anybody. I stand before you as it wasn't my intellect. It wasn't my oh, struggling after finding God. It was God in his sovereign grace and glory. He reached down and he awoken the eyes of my heart and showed me the grace of God. Just like, just like what Paul described. And nobody is truly saved unless they can give the same testimony that at some point in their life, they don't know how or why. There were people praying, different things happened, but they became hungry for God and that somehow their heart opened to want to know him. And God put this glorious gift, folks. First Peter tells us it is like treasure. It's like more worthy than gold and anything else. It needs to be refined. But your faith, folks, is the greatest treasure that you possess. It is the greatest gift of God by his grace alone. And this is why we plead with people. As Paul says, he persuades people. He works with people, loves with people, preaches to people, talks with people. That God's spirit sovereignly, is first, as the gospel of John says, it moves sovereignly. The Holy Spirit moves and, and sometimes, bam, somebody's eyes are just opened, right? That, and that should be all of our testimony. I don't know how, but again, any, I'm just going to say this. If, if you have this idea that you grew up in the church, you're always a Christian, you always believed, Beware, you must, I'm going to say it, you must have a time in your life where you received this gift and you need to acknowledge that, that you were completely undeserving and that this was by the grace, the glory of God that he shined down and awoken you up and gave you faith to see him, to walk with him. And, um, we see here in chapter 3, just these verses, again, it says, um, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ on behalf of the Gentiles. And he goes on to say, this grace was given to me. Just listen to him give his testimony. His eyes were awoken. And so faith, it has to be something that's received. And I have to keep coming back to that because all oh, in all the talk, soon what happens slow is we start taking that on. Like, like this, is, this is something I, I've got. This is my faith. And we'll get to that. It's a gift, but now I'm responsible for it. Once I have it, I'm responsible to partner with God. My eyes are open now. I'm responsible to the word of God. I'm responsible to obedience. I'm responsible to, to work in partnership, not outside, but standing on this grace. Right? And this is why Paul says he's pleading. He's working, constantly working out this salvation, this glorious gift he has inside him to bring it alive. Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is, defines it by as clear as it can. Faith is the assurance, don't miss that word, of the things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. There's not room in there. You don't see, uh, you know, it says assurance. It doesn't say mm, waffly doubt. Assurance. 
That doesn't mean we don't struggle with doubt. We all do at different levels. But understand, how is your faith doing? If you're in a, a season of doubt, you best buckle down. It's serious. And don't buy any of the crap that's out there that says, oh, embrace your doubt. Go after that. Deconstruct everything. You'll deconstruct, and what will happen is you'll find yourself with no landing of faith. We're in a scary time, folks. It's time to press in. Faith is a gift from God, and we're responsible for the most glorious gift in all the world, to stand upon it. And if I'm struggling with the assurance of things hoped for, of what he's done for me and what he says for me, uh, the consequence of that, folks, is a faith that cannot we continue to grow and to receive the, the glory and the blessings, right, of, of God. All right. Second one is faith needs to be tested. Oh, I don't like this one. I do not like this one. It has to be. The way in our life, the, the proof of why a faith is it's tested. And do you know that God allows you to go through hard times? Sometimes really terrible things because we live in a fallen world. Who hasn't gone through a terrible time? Who hasn't wrestled with God? Why? Faith is not faith until it's tested. And folks, you don't have a testimony unless you have a test. This is very important to understand. Testimony doesn't come without a test. Victory over temptation, victory over trial. That's why James says, consider it joy. I'm still wrestling, and we will always wrestle with that. Joy, winner, trials of many kinds. Why? Because you're t- the most glorious thing you have in your life. God is He's causing it to what? To persevere, to grow, to be strengthened, to come alive. For the dross to be taken off, for the pureness of, of faith to come alive right in, inside us. It's a glorious gift. It must be tested. There's no one in scripture, even Jesus himself, that didn't go. And if the larger the call of God, look at Paul, the larger the test, the larger the trial, the larger the persecution. Those go hand in hand. So if somebody has a wild calling, wild, oh, I've seen God done all these things, is make sure that the revelation matches the level of test. If that revelation soars beyond the trial, the depth of the trial, there's, you won't find that in Scripture. Those two go hand in hand, right? As we grow and mature, right, in our, in our faith. So let me just try to tie this quickly together for us. But just look at these verses. It must be tested. Well, this is so awesome. Paul just finds himself uh, in the very beginning a prisoner for Jesus Christ. He's in chains in Rome. Nero was the emperor. He doesn't say, well, I was a prisoner of Nero. How does Paul describe this? He's sitting in chains in in like terrible situation. Ah, I'm a prisoner of Christ. He put me here. And I have the privilege to be here for his name and for his glory, church, as Paul goes on to say. Right? Because we come to chapter t- verse 10. And he says how he defines the church in the church age right now in verse 10. So that through the church, the manifold, the various, it's like all the colors of the flowers in the world type thing, um, wisdom of God might now be made known through the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Why was Paul in prison? It's called spiritual warfare. He's living it out. 
the church, as it works it out, Jesus said, John 16, Jesus says, clearly you will have persecution in this world. You have tribulation in this world. There's a war going on. There's a thief. We'll get to chapter six. There's a real enemy, the devil. He's after pushing against God's promise. And the more that God's people grow, guess what? The warfare goes. And Paul was preaching the good news of Jesus, the king of all kings in the midst of where the emperor tried to make himself one. And he also was persecuted by his own people because he was giving this glorious news that opened the door to God's presence and the promises, the covenant promises of the Old Testament to even Gentiles. All of that got him in trouble. He suffered for the truth of the gospel. And God, here it is, folks. He expects his people to make a stand on his truth and take the hit. That's faith. The Sermon on the Mount, the kingdom is described as kind of all. A blessed are those who were what? Persecuted for righteousness sake. We're, any teaching you hear out there that says, oh, life is just peachy, God's going to bless and bless and bless, is you just shut it down, you run. You'll find it nowhere in here. He expects you to stand. He expects you to walk through a trial. And sometimes that trial, folks, is a deep, dark shadow of death, right? That you've just got to hold on to everything you got for a season and to God until he breaks through. And folks, here's the deal. He's refining us because he has a greater commitment than to my ex- exact circumstances in life right now. He's got an eternal commitment. He's making you to a shiny, glorious, righteous child of God who is built into this wonderful heaven and earth that God wants to live with. But for him to live with us, he's got some work to do and he's working it out. The question is, am I working against that work Or my living spirit, come on. And am I willing to walk through and hold on to him, right? Even in, right, the tough, hard times. Of course, 1 Peter, go check that out, chapter 1, right? It just talks about, Peter just elevates the glory of faith that it is this precious treasure and it is greater than any of the treasure, gold, anything else, and it has to be refined. The dross has to be removed, for us to stand strong and continue to grow. And so I just ask you, how's your faith this morning? And the place to start always is back to the Lord. Be overwhelmed like Paul. Wow, God, you didn't have to, but you did. You spoke life into me at some point. And to just be overwhelmed by the grace of God, right? That we don't deserve it. He graciously gave it. And then to understand the test, and I bet everyone is going through some kind of test, temptation, trial, all the above right now. The question is, am I, right, pressing in? What is the Lord teaching you through that? And are you calling others into battle with you and to strengthen you in the process of that, of that trial, right? All right, third one. Faith needs to be strengthened, Right? It is to grow. Remember, Jesus defined it as a, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can, and he goes on to move this mountain, some crazy stuff. He never puts a limit. Do you know, this is the thing amazing. Jesus never said, hey guys, you know what? You can't do that. Uh, if you pray to church, you come together, you can't do that. All things. And he even says something crazier in John 14. He says, you'll do greater things. And the context was miracles. Crazy. How's that going to happen? It's only going to happen if faith is strengthened and it grows. And this is not, oh, I got to muster it up. I got to grow. This is called intimacy with God. Higher radical dependence on God. We'll get to it in a minute. 
where the Spirit of God takes over my heart and myself takes a back seat. But I don't know about you, but that self is strong and it's just every day, just rises up like a monster. And the Spirit of God has to shut that thing down. That's what God desires. And that's where freedom, and we sung about where the Spirit of the Lord is freedom. Yeah, it's what the world is saying, hey, where the self is, there's freedom. Every bit of what you hear out there is underlying it is where the self is, you've got freedom. That's a lie from the pit of hell. It's only where the Spirit of God is, true freedom. And folks, that's the good news that we need to be heralding and, and pleading with people about is, man, you're missing out on the greatest thing. You want freedom for your soul? You want a whole being? And you come to Jesus, he'll make you whole. The Spirit takes over. That's abundant life. That's real freedom. And by the way, the world itself and creation and every empire and nation, there will never be an extended freedom of, God, of people in general without the Spirit of God. Changing people's hearts inside out, right? So, and then of course, um, this idea of being strengthened. So, um, verse 8, Paul says, To me, though, I am the very least of all the saints. He's just overwhelmed. He goes back to realize this incredible gift that is given to him, right? Is he's remembering he did nothing. You go back and look how, who he was, how he lived. And he's not even comparing himself here. He's just before God. And this is very important, folks. He's not looking around. Oh, I'm better than that Pharisee. I'm better than this. You know, I'm doing pretty good here. You know, he doesn't, he never does that. A little bit, just, there's a whole other story. Second Corinthians, he battles with some of the other apostles. But this is between him and God. He's getting before God. And, and, and he just realizes, you, we can never understand the grace of God until I understand what I was saved from. I'll never be overwhelmed by the love of God until I understand the state I was where God loved me and called me out of that into his glorious light. Now, here's the deal. Paul, you could read this. And, and here's what's really important is he was a murderer. He was, I mean, he had a, it was, it was a, he was the, the most self-righteous person maybe ever on earth. A murderer and everything else working directly against God's plan. He had a lot to get hung up about and hold him back. Here's what I want to tell you is that Paul did not give one ounce of worry or time to his past life. Because of the grace of God and the glory, this nature of the gift, understanding that glorious gift, Paul was set forward for the prize set before him. That's Philippians. He did not dwell on the hangups in the past. He believed the truth of God, what it said about him, even the least of the saints, and he walked in that. That, folks, should be a loud megaphone to the church today, right, of how to apply the gospel and faith in my life. I'm not going to entertain that. When my unworthiness, when my trauma, when she's got the list of things or what this is in the past, you don't entertain it. You put it at the cross by faith. I'm taking hold. This is how you see me, God. I'm overwhelmed. A child of God. Does that make sense, folks? You say, well, that's so simple. It is. Because it's not me doing it. Faith at its very nature is he's done it. And I take that for me. And I walk in it. For me not to. For me to wallow in the past. I'm going to be very blunt with you. For me to be set back here. I'm saying, Jesus, you're not enough. You're not enough. 
And folks, this is the gospel applied. Now, do we all struggle? Of course we do. We get drugged back there. We get drugged out. The enemy wants to keep us back there. We have to lock arms, walk with each other. But the point of faith, why this is the factory of faith is because we are to push each other on. Not to walk alongside people and, and, and stay back here in the past, but quickly move each other towards the gospel. What God is, how he sees that past. He's covered it. Preach the gospel every day. Live in the gospel of grace. It is covered. And Paul did not let it hold him back. And folks, um, boy, we need to hear that loud and clear today. And learn from each other. Encourage each other, right? In that glorious thing. Now, um, before I go to the last one, how much time I got? Um, uh, let me just say this. Um, <clears throat> and, and God, he's been taking me deep here. Let's just give you a couple of things on this. Uh, again, the strengthening, the spiritual warfare. Go to chapter six. <laughs> what does he say? He begins here. Finally, church, be strong in the Lord. Just, just repeat that over and over and over again. In times of trial, not in you, in the Lord. Not in your wisdom, not in your know-how, in the Lord. And that's faith. I take that. And folks, it is a, it is a battle like no other battle for your soul. The real battle is in the heavenlies, and that's connected to the spirit inside you. And there's a war going on because the enemy is constantly, right? Temptation, trial, keeps us back in the past. You lousy, sinner, da-da-da, all this. And we just have to stay on the gospel, stay on the gospel. And this is what the whole armor of God is all about in chapter 6. Armor up. It's a war. And you better be ready. Because the enemy's coming and he is to devour. And he's doing it right now, folks. In a big time way among God's people in the church in America. And he's just seeing how he can weaken faith and, and come and consume and just set people back. Press in for the gospel. So um, let's drill down on this faith thing. And <clears throat> I, um, a couple of things, you know, you, you, when you get real deep inside, there's two words I want you to write down with this. First one is conviction and the other is motivation. And genuine faith lives in those two constantly. And when I start living and I don't have conviction, where I'm not constantly, oh, Lord, help me. And I don't sense the Spirit of God moving and changing me and leading me back to His Word or something else, I'm in trouble. And faith is not actively growing. And then the other one is, why do I do what I do? And so I asked you this morning, why are you here? Are you in tune with why you're here? Motivation, folks, when we stand before God, the outward act is not so important. God's going to shear right to this core of my being. And this is why Jesus says in Matthew 7, they'll be on that day. He says, many will say, Lord, Lord, look at all these amazing things we've done for you. And Jesus said, I don't know you. Because you can do a lot of amazingly amazing Christian stuff with self on the throne. Now, this is deep water, folks. But I'm going there because I need you to, let, to hear the word of God. You need to know inside your soul the difference between you doing something for yourself versus you doing it for God. And when it comes to waiting on God, there's this radical difference between I'm waiting on God 
And, and it's the self would say, I'm waiting on you to do something specifically. Otherwise, I'm not budging. Versus, no, I'm waiting on God. I'm waiting on the Spirit of God to come. I'm waiting on Him. Don't play games with God. Don't put any demands on Him. You'll be in trouble. Wait on Him to come with His answer. That's faith. The final one, faith needs to be lived. And um, Dirk, y'all can come on up. Um, it has to be lived. The same word in the scripture is used for walk and live, and I just I won't have time to get into those. Um, but Ephesians chapter two, real quick, he said, "You used to walk like this, now walk like this. You used to live like this, now live like this." Right? It has to be lived. I have to walk in it. And, and folks, this next passage, I just want to end on this because this passage has just been all over me for the last several weeks, and. Um, so Psalm, this is David. He says this, turn my eyes from worthless things. Give me, God, life in your ways. Summarizes everything we're talking about. Is there conviction? Every day, and folks, I'm telling you, it's just like almost every five minutes. Oh, Lord, turn my eyes from worthless things. Give me life, abundance in your ways, God. In your ways. That's the manna for God's own heart. And folks, let that verse just jingle around your, your head and get it to your heart and, and, and see how much that just summarizes this life of faith as I walk through the world. Lord, I don't want that anymore. I don't want my mind to dwell on that. I want, I want all this unsearchable riches. I want this, this show me the riches that you have for me the riches of grace, the riches of the fruit of the Spirit, the riches of relational context by the Holy Spirit, riches of being involved with you on mission, Lord. Ah, Lord, turn my eyes from those worthless things, and the Spirit of God will show you the things that we set our eyes on that are worthless. He'll start changing your desires, and then He'll start giving you revelation about His ways. That's the abundant life. That's the way. That's what he has for you. So faith, it has to be lived, right? It has to be lived. Make sense, gang? I hope you'll take those four things, dive deep, encourage each other, get together, small group or whatever, press in with each other, encourage each other. Folks, we get beat up. Don't get me. I mean, listen, there's times why we go into valleys, we go into slumps, we get depressed. I mean, on and on. That's why we need each other. I had to call upon the Spirit of God to push us on. There's so much more that God wants to do. So, Father, thank you for your word. And Lord, this is a dwelling place for you. And God, as a church, may you just bring that conviction on all of us. Turn our eyes, Lord. Why waste our time on worthless things that have no eternal impact, Lord? Change our context. Lord, give us life in your ways, Lord. Wow. Eyes for that, a heart for that. Whisper, move in this time. As we come to your table, move, Lord. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.